This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. I'm so glad to be back with you. Today, I want to talk to you about Claire of Assisi. You know, we know a lot about Francis, and some of us know quite a bit about Claire, but she is an amazing woman, and there's a story about her that I want to make sure that you know, because it's very inspiring. So Claire is what you would think the counterpart to Francis and his the new order, the Franciscans. So she was the counterpart. They went out into the world and they preached and they begged and, and for their food, they, you know, they were out among the people. Claire and her sisters were veiled from the world. They lived a hidden life of poverty and prayer to support Francis and all the Franciscans about their work. So In order to do this, she had to abandon her, she had a high status in life. She had to abandon all of it to to embrace this radical poverty, her total self-giving to Jesus. And so um, she ended up being the mother superior, starting the, the, the female branch of the Franciscans. And so this is the story. So now after she's been the abbess for probably 25 years, she was 47 years old and this was in the 13th century. So, you know, lifespans were shorter. So 46 wasn't so young like we would consider it today. But anyway, she'd been sick in bed for quite a while and she was sickly a lot towards the end of her life. She was in bed a lot and she got word the sisters came and they told her the Saracens were on the way. Now the Saracens, that's just a common label used in the middle ages for Arabs and Muslims. But what these men were, were hired mercenaries and they were hired by the emperor Frederick the second. And he was ruthless in his expansion of territory. So ruthless. In fact, that Pope Gregory the Ninth excommunicated him. And then he said, any soldier, any Christian Catholic in your army that serves with you will also be excommunicated. So Frederick didn't have any Christians to pull into his army. He was against the Pope. And so what does he do? He hired the Saracens and they were pretty bad guys. So They were going through Italy, and when they'd come to a monastery, you know, they would mistreat the monks. And if it was, if there were sisters there, they would do unspeakable crimes to those sisters. They were just really awful. They would burn and murder and commit terrible atrocities. So, this is the word that Claire got when she's in bed that they're on their way. So, she's 
like she's the abbess, but she's like a mother. You know, these are her daughters. And what is a mother to do when her daughters are in this kind of mortal danger? Well, for one, she was willing to die for them. No, she was willing to be a martyr. She had a secret hope to be a martyr. She wanted to give her life for Christ in the Holy Land. But of course, she answered his call and she's an abbess. And so that's never going to happen. It might happen now with the Saracens on the way. But more than that, she had to think, how can I protect my daughters? And so they're completely vulnerable. There's no time to get word out to anybody, to get any help. So she goes to Jesus in the Eucharist. Now, sometimes we've seen pictures of Claire. She's depicted holding a monstrance as a weapon or a shield against the Saracens as they approach the steps of the church. We see that picture on holy cards and things like that. It didn't quite happen that way. How it happened was this complete, complete need and submission to the Lord. She wasn't even able to stand without help. So her sisters, they got her out of bed and they gathered up Jesus in the Eucharist and they went to the chapel and all the nuns prostrate themselves on the floor before the Eucharistic Jesus. And they just waited because the Saracens were coming. And when they burst through the church doors, They saw all these nuns lying prostrate in homage. Interesting thing. Anytime they appeared anywhere, people ran, they screamed, uh, they begged. You know, there was a lot of activity. They tried to defend themselves. A lot of things would happen when the Saracens came into a room and nothing happened because these sisters, these Franciscan nuns didn't give them the time of day. Their focus was on Jesus Christ, and they didn't react, and they were befuddled. They didn't know what to make of it. I mean, they were used to the same reaction all the time, and it didn't happen. These women were just laying there. They're praying to, they didn't know what they were praying to, you know, and they were just befuddled by the sight, and they left. So Claire went to Jesus because he was the one that could get the job done, And no matter what happened to them that day, perhaps they would have, you know, they could have all been martyred uh, that day. Whatever was going to happen to them, they were going to do it with Jesus and under his authority. And it just shows the Eucharist, Jesus with us. He is our greatest weapon against evil. He is our greatest weapon against evil. Not that he's a weapon we use, but he he defeated Satan on the cross. So when we go to him, the power is there. So speaking about this desire for martyrdom, you know, some of the saints, they did desire martyrdom. We know that, that Claire did desire it. And so did Therese of Lisieux. And so it's so funny because Therese, when she when she's desiring it, she wrote about it in her story of her life, the story of a soul. And this is what she wrote. Like thee, O adorable spouse, I would be scourged. I would be crucified. I would be flayed like St. Bartholomew, plunged into boiling oil like St. John, or like St. Ignatius of Antioch, ground by the teeth of wild beasts into a bread worthy of God, 
with St. Agnes and St. Cecilia, I would offer my neck to the sword of the executioner. And like Joan of Arc, I would murmur the name of Jesus at the stake. Anyway, that was, you know, she was letting him know, I wish I could give everything to you, Jesus, even spill my blood. And many saints have wanted to do this because they love God so much. They want to give the ultimate witness. But what we know is that Jesus wants our heart. We have a martyrdom of our heart. If we give our will over to him, it's truly a dying to self, a different kind of death, but the same blessed end. So I'll read this to you. Therese, her brother missionary, she wrote this to them and she acknowledges that they too wish they could be a martyr, but don't get to be. And this is what she says. It's so important, important to us because most of us will not be martyred. I know that you aspire to the happiness of laying down your life for him. But the martyrdom of the heart is not less fruitful than the shedding of blood. And this martyrdom is already yours. So think about that. You know, the dying to self, the martyrdom of the heart. It's just it's just as efficacious, you know, and it is what the Lord asks of every one of us. I know it's a process. You don't just come up one day and say, oh, I've given it all to Jesus. And a lot of times what we give him, we take back and we give him back. And it's a process. So be patient with yourself. Jesus is patient with you. But the martyrdom of the heart is where we will find the fulfillment of all our desires. And in this life, you know, we need to get the bread of angels, the food from heaven. The Eucharist is very important to sustain us spiritually. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Eucharist. And one thing that I I realized recently through some study of Fulton Sheen is that the Eucharist is very Marian. And I'm going to quote Fulton Sheen here. There is no body and blood in him, Jesus, except hers. The bread that I will, and he's quoting the the scriptures, the bread that I will give you is my flesh for the life of the world. And then Fulton Sheen asks, who gave that flesh? He was conceived of a woman. All his DNA, his flesh, his blood, all of it came from Mary. He didn't have a biological earthly father. He only got his human body from Mary and that body that is offered on the altar, it was a gift from her. That's why the Eucharist is considered, it's very merry in the Eucharist. You just cannot separate Jesus from his mother and his human body. And because of that human body, because he took our nature, we get to share in his nature. So it's all intertwined and it's so beautiful. I just wanted to bring that up to you. And like Claire The Eucharist is what strengthens us against Satan, against evil. It's interesting because I've got a quote here from St. John Chrysostom. He was a fourth century early church father, and he said this. Let us return from that table after receiving the body of Christ like lions breathing fire, having become terrible to the devil. So the Christian who has just received the Eucharist is to the devil like breathing fire, like they're afraid of us. Isn't that awesome? 
That's amazing. We have to remember that as Catholics. And so, you know, we're coming, we're coming up on Easter and the Paschal mystery and, and how this beautiful gift of the Eucharist was given to us because of Jesus. And we have to think, to think about our disposition when we receive communion. And I don't want to cause people to be overly zealous about the condition of their soul because the Lord is merciful. But we need to make sure that when we receive the Lord, that we don't have mortal sin on our soul. And so mortal sin, you know, that we know it's of a serious nature and that we did it anyway and that no one else forced us to do it. We did it of our own free will. When we have something that's serious, we know it's serious. We do it anyway of our own free will. That's a mortal sin. And we need to go to confession to get that off our souls before we receive the Eucharist. And I'm going to read something from the Bible. It's a church teaching that goes back to the early church in the New Testament. St. Paul wrote this, quote, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily will have to answer for the body and blood of the Lord, unquote. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. And there's more. I mean, he goes on to tell them that if you've been sick, you know, some of you have been taking the the Eucharist when you shouldn't have been. So we need to be aware of the holiness of God. It's his body and blood that he got from Mary, a gift from her. It's all intertwined. And Clara of Assisi knew this. And when she went to him, he was the answer for her most dire situation. And he's the answer for us too. Thank you for joining me today. It has been my privilege to be with you. Will you pray with me now? Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Onderko, produced at the studios of Matriday Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit matridayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MaterDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.